covering or teaching or anything like that, but it's really, really strong on my heart. And um, it's um, something that kind of goes along with what Keith's been teaching. But um, I may have to look at my notes a little bit more than I usually do. But I think it's vital to our Christian walk. It's vital to who we are in Christ. And it's going to go back, way, way back, to who we are in Christ. And uh, so I'll just start. You know, Keith has been talking about rewards. And, you know, when you're going to get something or they say, um, let's see how I can put it. They say, uh, sign up for this class at school or they say, um, you're going to get this job or you can have this benefit for insurance or you can do this. Most every time you're going to do that, you have to be qualified in order to get that position. You have to fill out the paperwork right. You have to do things in order to receive those things. Have you ever shown up someplace and you didn't have all the paperwork filled out right? Or or you go to the tag agency to get your tag and you get there and you didn't have everything that they wanted and they just didn't let you have it and they send you home or you didn't have your insurance paperwork or you didn't have the right title or you didn't have something. In other words, you didn't qualify to get that title. I remember Keith and them. They were doing all their last trips and everything and uh, they went to all the countries. It took Mike months I mean, literally months to get all their paperwork in order so that they could enter, you know, every country and get all their visas and all their information. Because every country has a lot of documents that you have to fill out in order to enter that country. Well, so they got to Samoa and um, they were there and, and the guys there or the lady, I forget which one they told us about, but they were there and um, they said, well, where's this particular document? And Keith looked at Mike, and Mike looked at Keith, and they were like, uh, we don't really have a document called that. And so they thought, we, we're not going to be able to stay in Samoa. Why? Because they didn't qualify to enter. They didn't have the right paperwork to enter. But the guy started looking through their paperwork, and he said, well, that's it right there. They just called it by something different. So they did qualify. They qualified. But what I want us to look at is Keith has been talking about rewards week after week after week after week. But you know what? In order to get those rewards, in order to get all these things that he's talking about, there's something that comes before those rewards. And it's called qualifying for those rewards. Because you don't want to get to heaven and not be qualified for those rewards. See, people are getting real quiet now. Because they're like, I thought we just automatically qualified. No, you don't. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And... 
I don't know about you guys, but I'm not a pretender. I don't like a lot of fake stuff and a lot of false stuff. I don't wear false nails and I don't wear false eyelashes and I don't wear, I'm not a, I've done a, maybe a little fake makeup once in a while and then as soon as I do it, I'm like, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Get rid of it. I'm not a fake. I'm not a pretend. If you know anything about me at all, I'm me 24 7. That's just who I am. And if it's not working, I want to know why it's not working. I want to deal with it. I want to hit it head on. And I'll work at it 24-7 till I get it done. But I want to know and I want to fix it. I'll do whatever it takes, but I want to get it fixed. And I don't want to pretend about it. And I think there's some pretending going on in people's lives that I want to look at this morning and I want to see and make sure everybody is 100% clear that they qualify. Now, in the past, I've talked about in marriage meetings about this. I've talked about that marriages are like, because in Ephesians it says this, Christ and the church. How many of you have heard me teach on that before? Yeah. I've talked about that, that marriages are like Christ in the church. But if a marriage is like Christ in the church, then Christ would be like a marriage. So I want to give you a quick example here. How many of you walked down the aisle when you got married or some kind of aisle when you got married? I didn't, but, you, you know, I was at the justice of the peace. We didn't really walk down the aisle. But we're still married anyway. More married than some people that walk down the aisle, I think. Raise your hand again. You walk down the aisle. Okay, I want to ask you a question. You walk down the aisle, and you knew you were going to say, I do, when you got up there. And you made plans for that, man or woman. And when you did that, you in your mind knew what marriage meant. You knew you were going to become husband and wife. You were going to become one. Is that correct? All of his stuff was then going to be yours. All of your stuff was then going to be his. But what if, what if, per se, you went down the aisle and you thought, yeah, I want to get married. I like this person a lot. I mean, I really like them a lot. I like everything. They make me smile. They make me laugh. I enjoy being around them. I like what they do for me. They are a good cook. You know, they have good money. I like them a lot. But I also like my house and my apartment over here. And I like being able to go out on Friday nights. And I like hanging out over here with these guys also. So I'm going to go ahead and walk down the aisle. But I'm not going to give up my apartment over here. And I'm not going to give up my going hanging out with my buds every night. 
And I'm not going to give up going play cards with these friends of mine. And I'm not going to give up my computer that's got all my stuff on it that I like. And I'm not going to give up my girlfriend on the side over here. Or my boyfriend that I, you know, he's my real friend, you know. Because I really like him, you know. What's it going to hurt? And I don't really like wearing and going places that he likes to go. So he can go where he likes to go. And I'll just go where I like to go. And he can go hang with his family. And when he goes and does that, then I'll just go and do what I want to do. What kind of marriage are you going to have? Not going to last long? Not a marriage. No commitment. Huh? Unhappy. Basically, an add-on to your life that you had. You walked down the aisle and you committed to this person and you said all the right things. You said, I love you and I'm going to give you my life. But when you walked out, you still enjoyed all the things that you did before. What's going to happen real quickly? Separation. A separation is going to happen almost immediately because one or the other of them, whichever one of them is doing that, is going to realize this is not a commitment. We are not one. I committed to them, but there's no commitment from them. I'm giving them everything. They're giving me nothing. They didn't really change anything. I'm giving them all I have. I'm changing everything. I left my family. I left what I know. But they didn't really change anything. They still want to be off to their cell. They still want to do what they want to do. You can have some form of that in every marriage. And you can have some form of that with God. How many of you walked the aisle and committed to God? But how many of you, when you walked out, still held on to 
all the things of the world that you did before you committed to your spouse, God. God is our spouse. And just like a husband or a wife, he expects us, he says he's a jealous God. And he expects us to cut off the other things that we did in our life before we committed to him. He doesn't think it's okay for us to continue to going to the same places that we used to go. Watching the same things we used to watch. I know I've hired employees that's come to work for the church and the ministry. And it's like they didn't know they were coming to work for a church and a ministry. And they thought... They could live with someone without being married. And that lasted about this long. And I let them go. Now, some of them had the wise sense to repent and come back. Others didn't. Others thought they could put porn on their church computers. Others think we don't know stuff that goes on with them. Others think they can drink and be mean to people. Now, you you gasp because they're working for a church. You serve the same God. And I know this is very serious this morning. But I don't want you to get to where you're supposed to go and you not have the qualifying papers to get you what you're supposed to get when you get there. It would be like me marrying Keith and never doing anything he likes. Never caring what he liked. Never caring if he wanted me to be with him serving in the ministry. Never caring if he cared how I looked. Never caring if he wanted me to go with him someplace. Never caring what he cared about, airplanes. Never wanted to hear about an airplane. But that's the way most people live their lives. Do you know you cannot hear from God and hear from the television at the same time? You can't do it. Now, what I want to do this morning... And I said, I may read you some of it, 
because I don't want it to be just my opinion about some of it. I want us to go back and see what exactly happened in your and my salvation. You got a minute? Let's do it. Death, in the spiritual sense, is separation from God. Now, we talked about it just now, about separation with a husband and wife. It's absolutely no different with your separation from God. People pretend every single day that they're all right with God. And they go around and do everything under the sun that they want to do because they can't see God face to face. But remind yourself just a moment of the prodigal son. He went out from his father's house. He was spending money. He was sleeping with harlots. He was doing all these things. And was he okay? Let's try that again. Was he okay? What does the Bible basically call him? Backslidden. See how quiet it's getting? We don't ever want to think of ourselves that way. But when we're doing everything we want to do, we are out in the world. We're spending all this money and doing all this stuff and not listening to God. We're spending time with men. We're spending time with women. We're doing nothing that the Lord tells us to do. That's basically a backslidden state. And most people don't ever want to admit it. And they wonder how come their finances are in a mess, their marriages are in a mess, their kids are in a mess, their lives are in a mess, and they're not getting any answers from God. We have to find out what God meant and how we get these things from God. God is not holding anything away from us. He wants us to have it all. He wants us to have everything. He paid the price for us to have everything. But we got to meet the qualifications. Let's look at it. When Jesus died on the cross... Or when Jesus paid the price for us, basically, we made a trade with him. We got the better end of the deal. We got the better end of the deal. It is this. It is. You sinned your whole life. Jesus never sinned ever. And he said, I'm going to trade with you. I'm going to take all your sins and give you every single thing that's good about me. That's the trade. When you walk down the aisle, that's what happened. You're redeemed. That's what happened. 
He took everything bad about you that you had ever done in your whole life. And he said, okay, let's trade. It's like you took this notebook. You said, okay, I'm going to trade you this notebook for these papers. That's how quick it was. Just happened just that way. You didn't have to do anything else but say, Lord, I accept you. You're mine. I'm trading with you. But he expected something in return. Just like when you said, I do, your spouse expected something in return. They expected you to be there with them and love them. And not go out whoring around or doing things that the world does or... You understand what I'm saying? All right? Look at, look at with me just for a moment. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I don't want to not give you a scripture so that you can say she didn't give us any scriptures. Look at, at the Living Bible. For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, what did he do? He poured God's goodness into us. Now, how many of you, like me, when you got saved, all you wanted to do was talk about the Lord and live for the Lord? Oh, it was so easy. It was so good. You wanted to talk about him. You wanted to live for him. You wanted to do everything you could do for him. But then this thing called life came along. And you kept getting pulled back into this thing called life. And you kept getting further away from this thing called God and more into this thing called life. And that's when change starts happening with people. Look with me, if you would, at Matthew. What I want you to know today more than anything, I want you to leave here knowing this with every fiber of your being, is that all along the way with Jesus, there were times as he was going to the cross as he was shedding his blood, as he went to hell, as he was raised from hell, he could have stopped anywhere along the way. But he didn't. But he didn't. He paid the whole price for everything we needed. In our lives. The complete whole price for everything we could ever dream of or need or want or desire or come across in this lifetime. And that's what I want you to see today. But I also want you to see that anywhere along the way, just as Jesus could quit, you can quit. These are our choices. We have to make a choice every step along the way. People have come to this idea that 
something's wrong with me. There's something not right because I'm a Christian and I'm being attacked. I'm a Christian and these things are happening in my life. You show me one place in the Bible where there's people that were living for God and something didn't go a test or awry or a problem in their life. But God helped them to overcome them. The fiery furnace, God helped them out of it. How many of you ever feel like you're in a fiery furnace? How many of you ever feel like you're in a lion's den and everybody around you is attacking you? How many of you ever feel like you're out in the middle of the deep and nobody's out there to help you? Paul, I'm sure, felt that way. But we are equipped with supernatural equipment to overcome every one of these things that's coming against us. But we cannot do it on our own. And we have become a society that has decided we can say, I'm a Christian, and throw Jesus' name out or God's name out, and it's going to happen. Don't work that way. You have to be one with Him. Just like you have to be one in your marriage... You have to be one with Him in order to get these things to happen. You can't be in a different country and expect these things to happen for you. You can't be living this life and Jesus and God living this life and expect these things to happen for you. It doesn't work that way. You can't be being the prodigal son and dad living over here and expecting to eat. You have to go back to dad to get those things. It doesn't work that way. And people have thought just because they say I'm saved and I'm a Christian that all these things just work for them because I got saved one day. But that doesn't happen. When you get saved, you are supposed to become one with Christ. When you get married, you're supposed to become one with your spouse. And when you start going off in different directions on different things, you're getting away from God. You're getting on your own. You're doing things your own way. And you really have to look at if you're even backslidden. Just because people show up at church on Sunday morning and say, Hallelujah! Don't mean they're right with God. And I'm not judging anybody. I want you to get help. I want you to get true answers that are going to get your life back on the track that God had for it to be on. I want you to find out why your kids are a mess. I want you to find out why your finances are a mess. I want you to find out why your marriage is a mess. These are it. All right? Look at this. I won't try to read it all because there's a lot to read. People think, well, that was Jesus. He could do all the things that he did to get ready to go to the cross. But look at verse 39, Matthew 26, King James, verse 39. He's in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. And all of you know this verse, but I want you to see it for yourself. 
He did what? He prayed and he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, in other words, not what I will, but as you will. Now, I, I don't have any proof of this. I'm just going to say, uh, Phyllis, for this morning. I'm going to say, I think that would be a good place to say where Jesus got saved. Think, follow me through with this. When you lose your will to God's will, what happens to you? Okay, you don't believe me. Look at Philippians 2.5. 2, People don't believe Jesus took on the form of a man. Look at Philippians 2.5. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of... Man, and being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and came obedient to death, even the death of the cross. When he was doing that, he was just like you and me. He was facing something he didn't want to face. He was having to go through something he didn't want to have to go through. And he said, Father, I don't want to do this, but I love you more. And I'm going to do this because I love you more. Not my will, but your will. Every day in our lives. Every day that we get up. Every morning when you look in the mirror. Every day when you look at your spouse and you're about to have a fight with them. Those words should come out of your mouth. Not my will. But your will, Lord. Now, Jesus could have stopped there. And he could have said, I'm not doing this. He was a man. He could have done it. If he didn't have a choice, you don't have a choice. He had a choice. And he could have stopped there. But he didn't. He went forward. And he went forward thinking about you. Right. And he went forward. Philippians 2.7 says this. Just the first few words in the Young's translation. I want you to see this because I want you to think about you as we see it. Philippians 2.7. What's the first few words? He did empty himself. When you come to the altar, what is supposed to happen? We're supposed to trade out our old life for his new life. We're supposed to empty ourselves of all of our past... 
and start anew with Him. We're supposed to empty ourselves of us and become like Him. He emptied His self so that we could empty ourselves. He is not asking us to do anything He didn't do. And that's what I want you to see this morning. Everything He did was an example of what we are supposed to do in our salvation. He emptied Himself of who He was and everything He did so that when we come to the altar, we empty ourselves of all of our filth and all of our sin and all of our things and become like Him. Look with me at 1 Peter. And I'm going to give you some sentences out of this. Verse 2, um, I mean chapter 2, verse 21. NIV. For this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you a what? Read the next part out loud. Every person in the room. Leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now, the next thing that happened to him, if you go down to verse 24, what does it say? He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose wounds we were healed. Now, let me ask you a question here. How many of you have seen that movie, The Passion of the Christ? Biggest, most everybody. How many of you would have thought, now that's enough? After he took the wounds. How many of you thought that was just pretty bad? How many of you would have thought, I cannot take it anymore? Think about yourself. Now, he's a man. Don't think about Jesus as being some superior human. Don't think Jesus when you think about it. Think about a man taking that brutal beating so that you could be healed. He could have quit there and fallen to the ground and said, I can't take it anymore. I quit. This God stuff does not work. Elsewise, God would have protected me and not let this happen to me. He could have quit. Just like you have a choice every single day of your life. When somebody does you wrong, when somebody abuses you, when somebody beats you, when somebody in your past has sexually abused you, when somebody has mentally abused you, when somebody has done cruel things to you, you have a choice. You can quit then, just like he could have quit then. He had a choice. He didn't have to get up from there. 
But he took all those beatings. He took all those stripes. He took all of that for you. So that you don't have to be sick. You don't, you don't, you don't. You don't have to wake up this morning and have one pain in your body. If you do, maybe it's because we've gotten a little far over here. I'm as guilty as anybody. You get busy with life. Not judging anybody. I am as guilty as anybody. You get busy. I get busy doing the ministry. I get busy taking care of the churches. I get busy of dealing with somebody else's sickness. And you forget that you're supposed to get up in fellowship with the Lord. You forget you're supposed to get up and read your Bible. You forget to put, that you're supposed to have one-on-one time with the Lord. Because you're dealing with everybody else's. But we have to have a oneness with the Lord. We have to hear from Him. We have to know, just like you see your spouse every single day, eight hours a day sometimes, six hours a day, five hours a day, whatever it is, you know if they're okay. You know if something's wrong with them. I can tell if something's wrong with Keith or if he had a bad day in flying 30 seconds after I talked to him on the telephone. I can tell if it went good for them in the sim. I can tell if it didn't go so good for them. I can tell if it was rough on them. I can tell if they're enjoying it. I can tell if it's tough. 30 seconds. I should be able to know my Father God that well. Better. Because I'm supposed to be one with Him also. I'm supposed to be able to hear his voice just as good as I can hear Keith's voice. If Keith were... The other day, we were in the mall, me and Gloria. And we were walking in there. It's when they were here, whenever that was. And we were walking in there. And I heard Keith's voice. And I said, he's speaking tonight. What is he doing in the mall? Brother Kenneth must have wanted to come for something. And I heard his voice. I didn't see him, but I heard his voice. And I walked around the corner, and somebody had a video playing, sitting in a chair, watching Keith. <laughs> but I knew his voice. I was not confused for one second that that was his voice. I knew it instantaneously. Now, not only that, but it's weird. We can go in places... And if he's trying to be kind of non undercover because he maybe didn't clean up as much as he wanted to that day or something, you know, and he does really, really well until he opens his mouth. <laughs> then they'll turn around and go, Brother Keith, is that you? I thought it might have been you, but I wasn't sure till you said something. <laughs> then when he says something, you can know it. And that's how we're supposed to be about the Lord. We're supposed to have heard his voice so much that when he says something, we know it. And we know it's him. And we're not confused about if it's him or not. We know it's him. We don't have to wonder if the devil's trying to get something over on us. I'm not confused if it's Keith's voice or if it's his voice or her voice or your voice or their voice. I know it's Keith's voice. 
so not confused about the fact of what Keith likes and what he doesn't like. He doesn't have to tell me every single day, Phil, I don't like you driving around all the time after dark and going in and out of these parking lots by yourself. I don't think it's safe. So when it comes dark, I don't go out in and out of parking lots after dark by myself because I know he's off ministering somewhere and I don't want him wondering if I'm off in some dark parking lot by myself and he's concerned that I'm off doing something that he has to be concerned about instead of ministering. Not that he's trying to keep me from having fun. He just would rather relax and think about his service than think about, am I safe? I don't have to wonder that. Now, I could go and I could do it. And we wouldn't have a big fight about, but it wouldn't bless him. And there's things that God is that way too. You can go and you can do it. It ain't going to bless him. And you know it in your heart. So Jesus could have quit. You can quit. Anytime along the way. After he took the stripes upon his back. Okay. The next is, it says in Hebrews 9.22, it says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So what had to happen next? Anybody know what happened next? The cross and what? The shedding of his blood. Could he have quit there? Could he have quit there? Absolutely. Absolutely. He could have said, this is enough, Lord, get me down. I've had it. Get me down. I don't want to go any further. This is enough. I can't take any more. Just kill me now, Lord. I don't want to do another thing. You ever said that? I can't take it anymore. You could quit at any time. You could go back into the world. You could take stuff. You could do stuff. You could leave your spouse. You could have an affair. You could do whatever. You have a choice. He's not going to make you do it. He didn't make Jesus do it. He's not going to make you do it. You have a choice. But this next part is one of my favorite parts. Then Jesus cries out, in Mark 15:34 My God my God why have you forsaken me Now I don't know if you know this or not or you realize this or not But you walking down to the aisle and trading with Jesus, you've traded all these things. Your blood didn't have to be shed. You didn't have to take stripes. You're healed. 
But listen to this part. Because God forsook Jesus, he will never, ever, 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 never, ever, say never, never. ever, ever, never, never forsake you. He'll never do it. Because Jesus traded with you. He forsook him, so therefore, he will never forsake you. Never. So when the devil tries to convince you God has left you, he doesn't hear you, he can't hear you, you get this verse out and say, no, no, I traded with Jesus. And Jesus was forsook, so I will never be forsaken. Never. He will never forsake me. No matter how terrible that was for Jesus to think that his Father God forsook him, he will never forsake you. No matter how bad your finances get, no matter how bad your kids get, no matter how bad you think you don't have an answer, he will never forsake you. It's not happening today. It's not happening tomorrow. It's not happening next year. It's not happening in your lifetime. He'll never forsake you. Because he forsook Jesus. And you traded with him. How many of you traded with him? I traded with him. So he'll never forsake me. That should give you a peace just deep down in your heart. That you can never be left alone. You'll never be alone again another day in your life. Never. No matter if you are by yourself, you'll never be alone. Another day in your life. Because he forsook you. Hebrews says that. Um, 13... Five and six, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things you have. For he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. So then what happened next? Clues? Clues? He went to hell. And he stomped the devil's butt in the ground. And he got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And without this, you have zero authority over the devil. So when you say, devil, get behind me, It's because Jesus did this for you. So if somebody tells you Jesus didn't go to hell, they're telling you you have no authority over the devil. That's what they're saying. How many of you have ever used your authority over the devil? You don't have that authority without Jesus. You have zero authority in yourself. 
You can't do anything in yourself. Without Jesus, you're a gnat. With Jesus, you're ten times bigger than Goliath. But people have tried to pretend they can do it without Jesus. And they wonder why things are not happening in their lives. They wonder why they can, they can say, I'm a Christian. Yes, I got saved. And things are not better in their life because they're trying to be mm, Christ-like. What does that mean? Hmm, like Christ. And look at porn and have affairs and steal and lie and cheat and be mean and gossip. And, and you see, you can just keep getting further and further away. But in order to be Christ-like, you've got to be love, kindness, gentleness, peace, long-suffering, joy, patience, faithful, meekness. They just keep calling them out. And you say, I can't do all that. If he could do all he did, he gave you the strength inside of you to do everything. But you cannot do it by yourself. And the further away from him you get, the harder it is. The closer to him you get, it's like a heater. You get way back here away from a heater, you can't feel any heat whatsoever. But you get right up on top of a heater and you're going to get quite warm. And that's the way it is with the Lord. Let's read what he did. Ephesians 1, I'm going to read to you just a little bit and we'll find out about our trade. Ephesians 1, King James, verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Pray this over yourself, that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, that I would know what is the hope of his calling. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward me who believes? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ Jesus, when he raised him from the dead, and he set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world that is to come. Just a minute here. And here's your part. And hath put all things under his feet. And he gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now listen to this next sentence. 
which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all. Say that word with me. All. All. Jesus gave us all. He gave us everything. And most people want to give Jesus 1%. It can't work. It's like giving your marriage 1% and expecting it to work. There's going to be a separation. And separation means death in God's eyes. It means backsliding. It means separation. It means you quit getting your answers. You quit getting the revelation. You quit getting the help. In order to get all, you have to give all. Chapter 2. And you have hath he quickened. Here's what happened to you when you walked the aisle. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you did walk according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Among whom we all had our conversation in times past. In the lust of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath. Even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are we saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift from God. These are only things that happen through your salvation through Jesus. These are only things that happen when we live close to Jesus. I don't want people missing out on their rewards. I don't want people missing out on what God has planned for them. I don't want the devil being able to pull people back into the things of the world. There's a lot of people that when they first started living for the Lord, they were on fire for the Lord. They talked about the Lord. They did things for the Lord. They were ready to do whatever the Lord asked them to do. But as time has passed in their lives, God has not been as important to them as he should have been. God has not been in the place in their lives that he should be. And the devil has convinced them that it's just not that important. They have their jobs and they have their families and they have their this and they have their that. This next part that I'm going to read you, I want you to look in your Bibles. I want you to open them up. I want you to see what color it is. I want you to see who wrote it. I want you to see who said it. I want you to see that it's not just me saying it. And I want you to get a revelation. And I trust that God will be able to deal with people's heart here in Branson, over the Internet. 
And that we'll make whatever adjustments necessary in our hearts to get back to the place that God has called us to be, just like we were when we walked that aisle. Back on fire for Him. And not let the things of the world entice us like they have. Not let things that pull on us from the world, but let things of God pull on us. You know, deep calls unto deep. And if you hunger for the things of God, the more you hunger for them, the more you will hunger for them. Let me read this to you. Matthew, you got your Bibles out. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Some of the new translations I, I don't care for so much because they don't do things like they should. But when you get there, Matthew seven thirteen. Anybody tell me what color that is in their Bible? So who wrote that? Who said that? Do we care if Jesus said something? We as Christians should really care if Jesus says something. It's like me. If I'm talking with somebody and Keith is traveling or things are going on and my phone rings and I'm in the middle of a staff meeting, I'll say, hang on, guys, this is Keith calling me. And I don't care if I've got 60, 70 people in a staff meeting. I'll say, hang on just a minute, this is Keith calling me. Why would I do that? Because one is more important to me than the other. I honor one more than I do the other. And the more you honor Jesus and the more you honor this book, the more He will honor you and get you out of the messes that we're in. The more we value his things, the more he will value our things. And put our things priority. When I call Keith, he answers. If he has his phone. (laughs) Unless he's flying. He don't ignore me. He values what I have to say. When I have to say something, he listens. If people are not valuing what you have to say, are you valuing what they have to say? Okay, Matthew 7. Enter in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go therein. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life. And few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they're ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so... Every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, 
Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and is cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruit, you'll know them. Listen to this next verse. Now, everybody pay close attention. This is Jesus talking, and it's very serious. It's the Bible, and if you call yourself a Christian, the Bible should mean something to you. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. The next word says, Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name cast out devils? And in your name done many wonderful works? And I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house on a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon them, and the house fell not, for it was founded on the rock. Has your house been falling? And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not, he'll be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority, not as one of the scribes. Serious stuff. Just because we say, Lord, Lord. Just because we walk the aisle. But if we don't do what that book tells us to do, we can forfeit rewards. We can forfeit heaven. I don't want people kidding themselves and going through life and pretending they're okay when they're not. The devil has hoodwinked a lot of people in this world and convinced them they're okay. Let's not be those people. Let's wake up with a purpose in our heart that when we start our day, our Lord and our Master is the first thing on our mind. Not a TV, not the news, not what other people say. That we find out first what He has to say before we find out what this has to say. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet with me.